Good evening, everybody. It is Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Andre Anderson. I am both host and founder of BSTL. By now, you should know that BSTL stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I hope you're okay with the transition of the season. It is getting a little bit cooler, slowly but surely. And that's all right. We live in Canada, and this is a place where we have four seasons. And because we've had such a great summer and a great fall, why complain? Uh, this is just a part of the journey. So all you've got to do is just warm yourselves up and just prepare yourself uh, for whatever winter is going to bring in the next little while. I'm excited today and I want to jump right into it. I have a guest who is becoming um, a friend, a fantastic, dynamic man. And I'm so excited because you're going to meet him in the next uh, few moments. But let me just say his name out loud. Alex Ihama, are you there? Are you in the building? Yes, I am. I am, Andre. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No, we're, we're more than happy to have you um, on the podcast. Uh, we had to wait a little bit because you are a very busy person. Um, but now that, you know, we got you online, we're going to make sure that we're able to talk all the way through this thing. So, Alex, I know that there are a lot of people that know you. Um, and I think that there is probably quite a few individuals uh, that tune into our podcast weekly uh, that know you. But there may be some who do not. I'd love to just give you a few moments to maybe share two different things about yourself that you wouldn't mind sharing in this space. Well, uh, again, thanks for having me, Andre. For me, um, I wear many hats, as they say. I do many things. Uh, but let it be known that uh, I'm somebody who has found favor in the sight of God, who has been called to empower people, ignite their leadership spirit and transform nations and organizations. So, and I take that mandate very seriously. Okay. In fact, I believe that uh, people often confuse what they do for a living, what they were called to do, basically confusing profession for purpose. Mm -hmm. I, by the grace of God, have been able to align my purpose and turn it into my profession. And I am, I am committed to it. So uh, I'm a purpose-driven guy, I'm working, have the opportunity to work with uh, high-level leaders, senators, heads of state, heads of organizations, captains of industry, Olympians. But it comes down to helping them to discover their purpose, align it with their passion, and even generate profit from it, if that's what they intend to. Wow. Um, that's a good resume. Um, but I like the part of your resume that says that you are living on purpose, uh, which means that you are on a divine assignment. So today we wanted to talk about this thing, um, and this thing that we want to talk about is leadership and accountability. So of course, we met each other recently at the convention that you threw at the beginning of October, and let me just say, it was an incredible experience, and for those that were not there, they definitely uh, missed out on an opportunity to learn and grow from leaders across um, all of Canada. Um, but in our conversation today, we want to kind of drill in and, and dive deep into why is accountability um, at a higher level for leadership so important? Well, I, I believe leadership and accountability, they are synonymous, which means 
Leadership is accountability, and accountability is leadership. The moment you take accountability for anything, you are a leader, mm-hmm. which means you cannot be a leader without taking accountability. Right. And leadership is not a position of authority. As I often say, I, I wrote this in my book, Mystic of Leadership. You can't be voted into leadership. You can't be elected into leadership. You cannot even be coronated into leadership. Prince Charles was coronated as King of England. Doesn't make him a leader. Is how accountable he becomes to the issues of our days that will make him a leader. Right now, he's faced with the accountability of slavery, of the role, the critical role that the United Kingdom played in slavery. So how he handles that position and whether he takes accountability for it will determine, you know, his legacy. So you can't separate both. You can't even say how is this because they are the same thing. Uh, those people who don't have position of authority, but yet take accountability for the issues around them, take accountability for the people around them, take accountability for even things that are not working. Those are the true leaders. It's not by sitting in an office that is, you know, with a fancy leather chair. No, the person on the street who takes an accountability for the trash, picks it up, that's the leader in the organization. The person driving the bus takes accountability for that person in the wheelchair, that's the leader. So leadership is accountability, and accountability is leadership. And I like that um, because you've now sewn both concepts, both principles um, together. And yet, uh, you know, especially during this pandemic, I think one of the things that we've identified is that not enough accountability has been uh, taken on by those that had you know, the awesome responsibility of bringing us through something that we've never been um, through before. And Alex, I wonder, what is it that prevents leaders from being more accountable? What prevents them, Andre, from being accountable is they are not leaders. Period. Short answer. If you're sitting in a position of authority and you don't take accountability, you're not a leader. Mm-hmm. So that is where we get issues with the politicians, especially. Not all of them. But you've been voted into power, but you are not taking accountability for the issues. So you are not a leader. You are an elected official. You are a CFO. You are a CIO. You may even be the CEO. Doesn't make you a leader. So when people say, why are leaders not taking accountability for issues? Because they are not leaders. Period. So, Alex, then, um, how are leaders then birthed? How do they get to it? Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening. Yes, yes, yes. Great question. Great question. Uh, my definition of leadership in my book, The Mystic of Leadership, I said leadership is a spirit. And I always emphasize on the word spirit. Mm-hmm. Leadership is a spirit. A spirit that can only be ignited by purpose, sustained by passion, and guided by principle. Leadership is a spirit, which means mm-hmm. in everybody is the spirit of leadership. And that spirit can only be ignited, not by a lighter, not by a bump, not by a job, not by a degree, not by an MBA. It can only be ignited by purpose. The moment you discover something that you are willing to die for, there's something that comes to life in your belly. That is leadership. Not because you saw a job, CIO, you go and apply for it. No, you are a CIO. Don't confuse the position with the responsibility. So leadership is better when somebody takes accountability for something that is bigger than them. That's really how it's born. 
leaders, people say, can leaders, are they made or are they born? All those ones are just questions that, uh, frankly, is, is taking too much time. Everybody, including a newborn baby, he, he, that baby has a purpose. The moment that baby decides to embrace that purpose, when it says somewhere, somewhere in the scripture, and somewhere went to Eli, and it went back, back, back and forth, and Eli says, when you hear that call again, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. Mm-hmm. That is the leadership spirit that was born at that moment. Yeah, okay, and I like that. Um, and that's one of my favorite stories as well. Uh, you know, the transition from Eli um, to Samuel. But how then, as one who is not certain, right? So, you know, the challenge is that maybe not everybody has the scripture or maybe even believes in the scripture. Um, there are some leaders who don't understand how to find their purpose. Alex, as a young leader who is now taking the mantle on and, and leading Canadians in a different direction, how do you find that purpose? How do you harness that energy? How do you, get, how do you move from having that feeling in your belly to actually moving in the direction where you're making things happen? Fantastic question again. The way you do is, I often say, in your pain is your purpose. In your mess is your message. What pains you the most is what you were created to be a solution for. You don't even need to believe in God. George, what they call it, uh, Bill Gates. Technology painting, like according to him, you used to go to that. People didn't know that. The biggest, the first computer, massive machine. You need to go there. Mass, it, was, it took over a whole room. That was the first computer. Yes. And to him, he said, we need to put a computer in everybody's home. And they said, this man is crazy. Yes. That's when his leadership spirit was born. Yes. You know, his job, you know, Elon Musk said, I'm going to put somebody in, in Jupiter. People now think it's crazy. I'm going to create a car. Why are, we, why, why are we getting petrol and gas and pollution? Can we create electric car? People say you are crazy. That's when his leadership spirit was born. Let's even come uh, to take it from technology and take it to community. Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. The day Rosa Parks says, I am not going to go to the back of the bus. That is when the leadership spirit was born. So, you know, this has nothing to do with religiosity and not even spirituality, so to speak. It has to do with you taking accountability for what pains you the most. So if you say something pains you the most and you run for an election and you win an election, chances are you will be a leader because you were already advocating for whatever it is that pains you the most. Mm -hmm. So to your question, how do you ignite that spirit? How do you discover that purpose? Find what pains you the most. Go to the jungle, go to the top of the mountain, go in your closet, go in your washroom, find it. And if you find it in yourself, pray. Give God, there's power in prayer. God himself will show it to you. But if you say you don't believe, then be like a Steve Jobs. Look for something that needs to be changed in our lifetime and make that, a, <laughs> apply all your passion to it and you will see what's going to come up. And you know, it, it, it's interesting and I, I agree with you with what you have uh, stated um, but the challenge for a lot of leaders is that when we think about leadership, when we talk about leadership, very rarely do we talk about the pain that drive, drives and pushes you forward. How do you make sure that you harness that energy and move in a positive direction versus getting off track and, and perhaps becoming stuck? Because the pain that you're talking about, it's not warm and fuzzy. 
it, it, it really can keep you up all night. Uh, some people, they'll lose their, their hair over it. Some people will lose their appetite over it because they are con completely consumed by it. How do we work within the context of this pain, Alex? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there are different levels and different variations of it, right? So you are speaking to a man that my pain, my pain is the fact that there are people who are living below their potential. My pain is the fact that there are people who have influence or they're in a position of authority and they are not using it to uh, generate a positive impact. My pain is to see people who have access to funding and to resources and to budget, and yet they are mismanaging it. So that is my pain. But at the same time, I come across many other pains, and I'm quick to remind myself that is not in line with my purpose. So I don't get distracted. So to your question, find the one that is deeper to your heart, the one that, and then every other one, pray about it, donate money to it if you can. <laughs> But don't be distracted mm -hmm. at all. You can't fight every fight. You can't. There is nobody on this planet. You can. In fact, even Jesus said, "I came for a specific group of people." You can't. Paul himself was sent to the Gentiles. Was sent to. So they, everybody is sent to somebody. In, we have a program at the School of Greatness. We call it Ignite. It's meant to ignite your purpose. And I often say, I think it was the one I said, you were called to a particular group of people for a particular purpose, in a particular time, in a particular season, in a particular place, and in a particular duration. So when you, and that's the first assignment I give to my students. So they, some will narrow it down. So, so I was called to women. I said, well, what kind of women? Mother women, single women, older women, like narrow it down. And eventually you find out that, and a very good example is somebody was a single mom at 14 years old. Suffered all through that 14 years old, even 13 years old, since she now became maybe 20 something, 30 something, and completely forgot the pain she went through. Until now, the assignment they go and discover five pages they must write on their deepest pain. And she took herself back to that point. And at that point, she's talking and saying, ah, No, there are too many single teenage mothers. I have, ah, so it's no longer just women, it's no longer just mothers, mm -hmm. it is now teenage mothers. So you narrow it down to a particular group of people and for a particular cause. And at that point, you become what I call unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And I like that because I think, you know, and especially since I know, or at least I believe I know that you are not just trying to inspire uh, this generation, but also the generation that is coming um, behind I think that, uh, you know, it's a tough time. It's one of the best times and maybe one of the most difficult times to be alive. Um, because while you may have a desire um, to do something, to make a difference, um, you may even be able to uh, identify the pain um, that is pushing you as a leader. A lot of leaders don't necessarily know where to start. So even uh, for the example that you've used, Alex, of this woman uh, that would have had a difficult life and, you know, would have become a mother at 14 or whatever the, the, the number may be, um, she still has to figure out where do I start? So where do we start, Alex? Yes, uh, where you start is, number one, to make a decision that uh, you will no longer settle for life. You will no longer settle... Uh, become a, a spectator 
Um, are you willing to venture into the space of discomfort? Um, they, this, this is not for, uh, I don't want to say this is not for everybody, but it's not everybody that will seize the opportunity of living a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would rather just come home, drink beer, watch Netflix, go to bed and mm-hmm. to, to hell with the issues and the pain and <laughs> they numb it with beer and whiskey, right? So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but that's the reality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, those, I, I believe, so when I look at myself, use myself as an example, I was in the bank. I worked for three of the biggest banks in Canada, Bank of Montreal, CIBC, Royal Bank. I worked for the number one technology company in the country, Monero Solution. Like I was involved in community service and youth development in my neighborhood and stuff. So I've been involved. So, and I was well paid in the bank, doing very well, 16 promotions in 15 years. My salary grew 1000%, right? So mm-hmm. I had massive influence and income. My bonus was crazy. Yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. My vacation, I think I had, there was one, one time I had 21 days and then 28 days. But um, the, this senior executive came one day and said, you know, I see uh, Larissa went to, that's my colleague, went to Mexico. Uh, Andre went to Cuba. Alex, where do you go in the summer? We never hear of where you go. You, you don't travel out. Yes. And I now told him, and I didn't even tell him, my colleague started laughing. And he's like, why are you laughing? He said, Alex doesn't use his vacation to travel. He said, what do you mean? What does he do, do with it? He said he uses it to go to places to speak. The man is like, what? Speak? What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. I said, no, I go to community center to speak. I mean, you gave me only 21 days. So if somebody said, come and speak on Tuesday, I take a vacation day. He's like, really? Mm-hmm. I said, yes. He said, what do you speak on? I said, leadership. I said, it's like, really? The guy got fascinated by me. He's still my friend today after almost uh, 15 years I left uh, the bank. So he's still my friend today because we really connected. He walked me into his office as we were about to get it. He looked me in the eye. He said, Alex, I am very proud of you. He said, next time you have to go and speak, don't take your vacation. Take it on the house. Just let me know. I'll sign the paper. Wow. Take your vacation to enjoy yourself. So my point is this. Yeah, here I was in the bank, well paid, massive influence, massive income, everything's going well. But in my belly, I was using my vacation to go and speak to youth in Malton, youth in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Nobody was paying me for that. I was spending money. The, the best some could do is here's a twenty dollar Tim Horton card. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mind because I had money from the bank. That's so right. yeah, you're those who really you say many are called few are chosen. Those yes. that are chosen, they are already living a life of purpose to a certain level and they just need to now set themselves on fire. It was John Wesley who said, set yourself on fire and people will come from afar to watch you burn. Mm-hmm. Like, so that is really what, in example, where do you start? Look for, go to the community center. They are need, they are people, young people, old people, go and serve the elderly. Go and sing Christmas carol for the retirement home. <laughs> go, just, I often say, do something. It was Martin Luther King who said, if you cannot fly, then run. If you cannot run, then walk. If you cannot walk, it's a crawl. Mm-hmm. But by God, do something. Move. <laughs> so it, it sounds like, um, and, and I get the passion part of it, and I understand the purpose part, but you've now added another dimension. Um, because while you have been doing this thing for a long time and speaking with individuals and connecting, it also sounds like you have also developed a community of individuals who may not necessarily be directly involved in what you do, but they are helping to support 
um, from the background. They are helping to support from a distance. How important is community in building towards this purpose? Yes, it's very, 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 very important. Uh, you can only be a leader as much as there are people who are willing to support it, mm-hmm. right? That's really the essence of it. But a lot of people, they get it the other way around. What they do is they are looking for people to follow. When they should actually be about their purpose and God will send those people their way. Right. When God called Moses, Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. Moses was like, go, 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 go. I, 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 I stammer. God says, don't worry about that. Aaron is on his way. It wasn't even Moses who called Aaron. It was God who put it in Aaron's belly. Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time, if you don't rise up, there are some people that will never rise up because their purpose is tied to yours. God calls people, gives them a massive vision, and places in the belly of other people that may not even be in your circle. Mm-hmm. and say, you are going to support this mission. The people that have supported my mission and vision, I did not go and look for them. They came to look for me. I'll give you an example. I was writing my book, my first book, Welcome to Greatness, and I said to myself, this book will be published by the best uh, publisher of inspirational book in the U.S., and that's A House Publishers. And I looked at what this was going to cost me in marketing and strategy. It was about $40,000. And I remember I was coaching this guy in downtown Toronto. Every week we meet at Starbucks on Bay Street. And, you know, I first of all coached his girlfriend. His girlfriend told him about me, and now I'm coaching him. And the guy is really excited. Thank you so much. You've really helped us. So, and, and he knew I was writing a book. He asked me, oh, so how's the book going? I said, where is it going? So one of the sessions after that, I said, hey, so how's the book going? I said, well, I'm done. I'm just waiting out to gather the funds. Uh, he said, how much? I said, $40,000. He says, Alex, I can give you that. Now, he's an investor, so to me, I thought he was planning to borrow me $40,000. Me, I didn't even know where I was going to pay him back the $40,000. Right. So I said to him, I said, no, I'm not going to take your money from you. He says, no, 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 I'm not saying borrow. Like, this is what you do. He says, here's what he said. Here's what he he says, you are going about, and you talk about purpose, and you are living that purpose you are doing. It. He says, some of us cannot be you. But you know what? I'm not very spiritual like you, but I can tell you everything I've touched in my life becomes gold. Any investment I put my hand makes money. So I believe, he said, he said, he said, I believe God has given me the gift mm-hmm. to generate funds so I can support people like you. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, okay, you know what? Let's finish the whole program first. And then two weeks later, if you really want to give me, I don't want to take your money when I'm still coaching you. It's just, I don't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't even wait. A few days after that, a week or so after that, he cornered me. Alex, are you by chance or by chance? I say, he said, listen, I'm just passing on um, base with me. Can we meet quickly? There's something I want to run by you. I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The guy stopped. He just met me there. As he came close to me, he just stretched his hand, put something in my hand, and he took off. I'm looking at it. What's this? What's this? He said, don't worry about it. When I opened it, it was a check for $40,000. I crossed uh-huh. the street and I went to pay it into the Royal Bank across the street. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, God, you are amazing. Since that time, yes. I have learned that when God gives you the vision, he makes the provision. Yes. Wow, that's an incredible story. Um, and I think what makes it inspirational Uh, the longer we talk, is that everything that you have needed to do what you need to do and what you are building, the Lord has met you at different coordinates of your life uh, to ensure that you stay focused. But there has to be some moments of discouragement. Um, I think all through Scripture, 
uh, those that were called, they have moments where they have a little bit of a lapse, um, where they may not trust in God or trust the process or trust that they would have the capacity and the ability to get all the way to the end, all the way, in, as it were, to Canaan. How do you navigate those moments, Alex? There have to be some yeah. moments on the way. Uh, like there are many, not the some, many, 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 let me emphasize, many, 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 many. <laughs> My friend, your vision will be tested. Your mm-hmm. purpose will be tested. Your dreams will be tested. Absolutely. Or else what makes it what, what will make the the outcome uh, rewarding. Yeah. So and the, one of the very first one that people get, one of the very, very first one is the people you think will support you will not. Mm. Let that sink in. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Let it sink in. The, yes, yes, yes. I'm talking to you, to you, to you. The people, oh, I'm starting a business. These people will buy my shoes. No, 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 no. Those people will not only buy your shoes. They will tell people not to buy. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to look at this when Jesus said, a prophet is not recognized in his own town. That's right. And that is the truth. Yes. For me, um, I, when I wrote that book, the book I'm telling you, I was going around trying to put it in the hands of people, in the hands of pastors, in the hands of leaders. Sometimes some people will leave it exactly where I give it to them. <laughs> they won't even take it past there. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm not even saying hey, buy it, everything. I give it to you as a gift. What I learned was I had to go out mm-hmm. of my community uh, and, and create a name for myself mm-hmm. outside my community. And then my community decided to embrace me to some degree. But I, I never sat and said, my community is going to embrace me. That, that was in my purpose. It just, I'm just saying how it eventually happened. Yes. And what kept me going was my why. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Yes. If you forget your why, you will close the business. If you forget your why, you will shut down that ministry. If you forget your why, you will get a lot of mental health issues. My why kept me going. The second thing that kept me going is my faith. Mm-hmm. My faith in God, man, even till now, you can steal everything from me that you can't take from me. Right. That, that you can push me to the wall, you can't take that. So my faith, like again, my why, which is my purpose, frankly, my purpose, my faith, and my family, mm-hmm. right? I have beautiful kids, uh, six children. Uh, I, and and uh, if, if if nothing else, which by now, they are, I mean, on my last birthday, my birthday before that, my, my grown-up kids, mm-hmm. they are inspired by me. Mm-hmm. And they will often say, you know what, uh, daddy, if daddy says he wants to do something, he never fail. If daddy says he wants to pursue this dream, he never fail. So who, who am I to back out? And I'll quickly add a story I watched on YouTube from uh, Kobe Brand. They say when he tore his leg, he was playing this game and then he tore his leg. And, you know, um, there was a game between his team and the team Vince Carter was. And according to him, he said Vince Carter was tearing down the league at that time. And this is the first time two of them are going to face each other. And he says, and I'm going to say my leg is broken, or I tore my Achilles or whatever. He says, no. He says he looked at his daughter, looked at his family and said, I'm going. I'm going. Right? And he still went in to play that game. Whether he won or lost, I don't recall, but the fact is he never gave up. He kept pressing on, kept pushing on, uh, even in the moment of pain, real pain. He says it was very painful. I've never broken my leg or torn my Achilles. So I had a very painful thing. So, Pain becomes your catalyst, right? Every disappointment, I turn them into a motivation. As you say, every setback becomes a, 
a setup for a comeback. Mm-hmm. And that was what I did. Every setup became a every setback became a setup for a comeback. Uh, so those are some of the things I did. There were times I said, man, I started to look at Wokopolis looking for jobs. <laughs> I'm like, man, you know, mm-hmm. let me get back. You know, some executive told me, Alex, you know, if it doesn't work out where you're going, just let us know you have a place back. I'm like, man, and I knew that. I had good reputation. They will hire me back. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, I had to block every website that kept sending me jobs. Don't know why they were sending me jobs. Mm-hmm. Like when I said I was never going to have a night to fight. Mm-hmm. Then boom, there's an email that just pop up. Here's this job for a director, $140,000. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. man, am I ever going to make that money in my business? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was it was all temptation, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, I I just disregarded them and, and, and pressed on with my faith, my purpose, and my family. So Alex, I got one more question for you. And by the way, this has been an incredible conversation and I've picked up and learned uh, quite a bit in listening um, to your entrepreneurial and your vision uh, journey. If there were a child, and when I say a child, one who could understand what we're talking about today, and you had to give them just a little bit of advice um, based on what we've talked about, what would the takeaway be um, from this conversation for a child that doesn't know about what the word means, entrepreneurship, doesn't have a, a family that is, you know, driven by people who work for themselves and so on and so forth. How would you coach them if they could only hear the last portion of our conversation? Yeah, what I would tell them is, number one, know that you were created for a purpose that is larger than you. Number two, please, 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 Believe in yourself. Nobody else will as much as you do. In fact, people will only believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. Very, very, very important. We have far too many people walking around with very, very low confidence, right? Depending on how you grow up. Some people have parents who insult them. I, I know one woman just kept telling the kids, the idiot, the idiot. My goodness. I'm like, you're calling your kid an idiot? Like, and then the kid is going to be an idiot tomorrow. And you're going to like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. Right? For me, I grew up in, in the midst of deep pain. My, I grew up in a very abusive home, very, very abusive to the extent that I tried to kill myself, to the extent that my brother killed himself. He tried and it worked for me, it didn't work. Uh, and he killed himself. It was My mom was beaten to nonsense every single day, and me, myself. It was just chaotic how I grew up. And all I received were insults. You are not good. You can't be my son. Nikonpu, you are an entity. You don't exist. Get out from here, idiot. You are foolish. My goodness. Those are things I could count how many times somebody said, what a nice kid to me when I was growing up. In fact, I don't even recall any. Maybe Not maybe. Actually, my mom used to tell me. But every other person, that was it. So, and what I did was it took my confidence away. And by the grace of God, I was able to get it. Today, I was on a seminar. They asked me, how did you build such a strong confidence? I said, I had to go to the place of where my confidence was stolen. Mm-hmm. I said, there was something people told you or something you experienced. Maybe you were raped or something, abused, whatever it is, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And at that point, you lost your confidence. You have to go back. You, because those uh, trauma, what they do is they create a false narrative in your head. Mm-hmm. So my first narrative was, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, they kicked me out of primary school, kicked me out of nursery school, kicked me out of university, bro. They just kept kicking me out of everything I thought I wanted to do. Wow. Not knowing that God was in, uh, leading me somewhere else. 
So I went back and I created a narrative about myself. I am great. I'm a liar. I am unstoppable. I'm a leader. I was raised up for such a time as this to be a force in my generation. Nobody can stop me. This is me. I'm purpose-driven. I'm passionate. I have to fill myself up. <laughs> you can shoot me now. I won't die. That's the truth. Right? So that's what I will tell them. Build yourself up. Write affirmations. Say them. If you, are, if you have a Bible close by, read the book of Proverbs. Memorize every proverb you can find and then go into the book of Psalm. Um, if not, just take a pen and paper and write things that you want to be. I want to be a doctor that will thank you for cancer. I want to be a pilot. I want to be an inventor that is going to whatever, write down your dream. You say, write it down, make it plain. That's what I'll tell them. Just, just, just believe in yourself more than you can ever think you could have ever believed in yourself and watch God work through you. Wow. Um, Alex, I also want to give you an opportunity um, on this platform to maybe share um, some of the books that you've written, your website, if people would like to find you there. Um, I think that you're a good person to hook up with and to connect with. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. Yes, and thank you for doing so. Uh, my book, which my memoir, I didn't write the book to say I'm writing a bestseller, I just said, man, I need to get my story out there uh, to ensure that when I pass away, my story lives on. So I wrote the book, Welcome to Greatness, um, which eventually morphed into a school called the International School of Greatness. You can find it at schoolofgreatness.ca. Schoolofgreatness.ca. There's a schoolofgreatness.com. belongs to some other guy in the U.S. I'm schoolofgreatness.ca. And you can take a course on greatness. It's free, by the way. A course based on my book, Welcome to Greatness. The book is, the course is free. Uh, so go to schoolofgreatness.ca, click on a course on greatness, which is free, and take it. I advise everybody. My goal is to have about 5 million people go through that course all around the world by 2030. And we, we're we advancing way through that uh, target already. I have another book, The Mystic of Leadership, for those who really want to understand what leadership is about, especially from a psycho-spiritual concept. Uh, the things written in the book, I guarantee you will not find it in Harvard University, not even York or any other college, because those people completely remove psycho-spiritual context from their work. And leadership is a spirit. It's not, an, it's not a qualification. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, then of course, get the mystic of leadership. You can get all my books from my website, alexiyama.com or from the school of business.ca. Um, if you want to reach me, my email is alex at alexiyama.com or you just Google me. I'm everywhere. Follow me on social media on one of those platforms. It'd be a great uh, opportunity to meet you. Perhaps you won't speak at your organization or help you with some coaching programs. However, I can help. I was born to help and I'm going to die helping. That's it. Thank you, Alex. Um, definitely a pleasure to have you and I hope that you'll make some time uh, to come back again because I think there's some more things that we could talk about. We've only scratched the uh, surface in this conversation, but there's so much more that I think the world needs to hear um, from you about leadership and greatness and how to serve. Next time, we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to do servant leadership. Um, but for now, I, I really appreciate this conversation. At the end of the day, when you are building something that lasts, you have to build you sometimes until you can stand a little bit stronger. Everybody comes from a different background, a different experience. But if you believe that God has birthed you for a particular purpose, then you have to keep pushing, keep digging, keep swimming, keep flying until you get to your destination. Thanks again, Alex, for joining us. 
And for those of you that, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. No, thank you so much. Thank you, Andre, for the work you're doing as well and different angles, uh, expanding and promoting the concept of leadership. I believe uh, you are living your purpose as well. And certainly what we talked about yesterday is reflective of your life. And I pray that uh, God continues to expand your ministry and your work as well around the world. Thank you so much, Alex. And for those of you that have been listening, again, if you want to have a broader conversation about this, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. And if you haven't liked or subscribed or shared this, please go ahead and do so because we want to make sure that this conversation about leadership is not just localized, but we want to take it all over the world. Until next time, have a good week. And remember, if your mind can see it, you can do it. Take care.